There it is. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Can everyone hear me? Hear me good? I like to move around, so I want to make sure this mic is on. As usual, it's always a privilege for me, both my wife and I, to be here. Um, I always feel so honored to stand right here and, uh, and be able to talk with you all. And, and um, before I even start, um, I'm going to say a word of prayer. And as I pray, I ask, I beseech you all to please pray and ask the Holy Spirit to just minister to yourselves. And I ask you all to please mention me in your prayers for the Lord to help me while I'm up here. So while I'm praying, just pray in your minds and, um, and uh, we'll all just ask for those things. Amen. Father, I'm so thankful that you know what you're doing, Lord. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you've brought each and every one of us through, through different weeks, dif- different struggles, but we're all here. And God, you know our frame, we're weak. And Lord, I just want to ask on behalf of all my family here, that you would forgive each and every one of us for our sins, our transgressions, and then by your Spirit you can banish every evil thought, every distraction, every burden, and let us come into your presence, Lord, and let your angels be here with us to minister to us. Open up our minds and our hearts to hear and perceive truth. Lord, it is only by your Spirit this can be done only by your spirit. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your love, Lord, that not only did you die for us, you're willing to bring us all the way back up to glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You know, I was riding in the car with uh, one of the students here, PUC, a friend of mine. And we had this discussion about the church and different topics in the church and different things that that have people divided. And it made me think of of something. Before I go there, I want to ask you guys a question. Who are some of your favorite ministers that you like to listen to? Maybe uh, uh, you have an old CD or a cassette tape. I still got cassette tapes, too. And I listen to sermons. Who are some? Name, name some of your, the, the ministers you like to listen to. C.D. Brooks. C.D. Brooks. I, I, I enjoy that, brother. Anybody else? Morris Venden. Morris Venden. Anyone else? Joe Cruz. Joe Cruz. Amen. Anybody else? Ralph Larson. Doug Batchelor. Amen. Stephen Bohr. Dennis Preby. Dennis Preby. Amen. Amen. We got some great men of God, men and women of God who are preaching the word out here. And, and um, I, I love all these, all these ministers that you mentioned. I listen to them. Amen. There it is. Let's bring it home. Amen. And, uh, you know, what struck me about this conversation that I had with this individual 
is that we all have these ministers of who we look up to. And, and for me, it's, it's really enriched my spiritual growth and it's been really vital in my walk. But as I was talking to this person, we were discussing a certain issue that the church is divided on. And some of the ministers on one side, some of the ministers on the other side. And he made this comment to me. He said, well, such and such. And he named this prominent Adventist minister. Well, gifted speaker. I've heard sermons by him and it touched my own heart. And he named this individual and he says, well, such and such supports it. So I support it. And then the first thing that came in my mind was like, brother, I said, what does the Bible say? What? But but the, the topic and what we were discussing, I soon left that and it made me think of something. What if all these ministers that we mentioned, what if by chance? You found out that such and such had a, 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 a was was having an affair, was into gambling, was into drugs. And all these ministers that we look up to were not in the faith no more right now. What would that do to your faith? Better yet, what if every Adventist that, you know, your brother, your mother, your sister, your husband, your wife. What if they fell out simultaneously right now out of the faith? What would that do to your faith? Now, I believe that the community is is essential to our faith. I believe that brothers and sisters in Christ helps build us up. But essentially, if you are not founded upon his word and have an experience with God yourself, especially in these days and times, especially in these days and times. The Bible is filled with warnings. Peter, uh, Paul, excuse me, said that, you know, after I, my departure, there's going to be grievous wolves that are going to come into the flock, not even spared. Jesus says in Matthew, beware of false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing, but inside they are ravening wolves. Paul goes on to say that um, they don't serve the Lord Jesus, but their own belly and by their good words and fair speeches. Good words, fair speeches. It sounds good. It wouldn't be deceit if there wasn't any truth in it. If there wasn't something that stirred your soul and said, amen, it wouldn't be a deceit if there wasn't something good about it. But the Bible, it it blew me away when you look up and I I thank God for the technology makes things easier. Sometimes a lot of times you look up deception, deceive, false prophets, false teachers, and you will be amazed at how many times the Bible warns us about this. How many instances, how many stories there are. Do you remember the guy named Balaam in the Bible? He was a prophet of God. He was once a good man of God. Now, right before the children of Israel were going to go into the promised land, right at the end of their journey, if you will, right before we are about to enter into the promised land. Listen closely, please. Many of the children of Israel looked at Balaam and they regarded him as a prophet of God. When Balaam was counseling Balak, the king of Moab, Balaam came up with this idea to throw this huge festival, this huge party. And he invited a lot of the children of Israel to come to this party where they would start drinking and dancing and and, and committing fornication and eating things sacrificed to idols. But many of them went to that party because they regarded Balaam as a prophet of God. Many of them went to that party because a pastor Balaam was there. 
right before they were about to enter into the promised land, the false prophets were there. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 16. Revelation 16. Revelation chapter 16. You guys remember a guy named uh, Kellogg? Remember him? Uh, what about, uh, I think his name is Elder Kent, right? Um, Desmond Ford, who I found out he was right here at PUC. These prominent men within the church, but they caused such a division and such followings were, were after these guys. Go to Revelation chapter 16. I just want to give you a preview here of something. Revelation chapter 16, and look with me, if you will, at verse 13. Are we there? And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the what, everyone? And out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. The Bible mentions these three entities, these three powers, if you will, dragon, the beast and the false prophet. We know who the dragon is. Who is the dragon? In short, Satan. The beast is the papacy. Amen. Who is this false prophet? Let's go to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Look with me, if you will. Looking at verse 20. Are we there? And the beast was taken and with him the who? False prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. So this false prophet worked miracles and caused those to receive the mark of the beast. Let's go to Revelation 13. Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. And look with me, if you will, at verse 12. Speaking about this second uh, beast with, with lamb-like horns, which is talking about the United States. Verse 12 reads, And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh what come down from heaven? Fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. This false prophet entity has power to do wonders and miracles and cause fire to come down from heaven. This false prophet represents none other than apostate Protestantism. These fallen churches, if you will. Now, apostate Protestantism, this false prophet, is going to join hands and link up with the papacy, the beast. Now, the servant of the Lord tells us that there, what, what is going to actually connect these two? It's called spiritualism, Sunday sacredness and this belief of the dead, this immortality of the soul, that man is a progressing creature, if you will. It's going to connect the two. Now, I want us to pay attention because spiritualism, there are signs of spiritualism and spiritualism is in the church. 
And I'm not talking about just apostate Protestantism. I'm talking about Seventh-day Adventist church. There are signs of spiritualism. Turn with me, if you will, at Jeremiah chapter 28. Jeremiah chapter 28. We're talking about the false prophet. The false prophet that will come, that Revelation is talking about, is unlike any false prophet that you've ever heard or seen in the Bible. That you've ever read about. You've had, you, you, you constantly have examples. Did I say Jeremiah 28? We're going to Jeremiah 28. You constantly have prophets, stories of false prophets. And each time you see that, that God's prophet um, is endowed with a certain ability in his spirit, more so over these false prophets. But the false prophet in Revelation, the Bible says, fire from heaven. God has always answered his people by fire. But in the end time. This false prophet is going to cause fire from heaven. And how would you be able to discern who is God's prophet and who's the false prophet? Jeremiah 28. Look with me. And it came to pass the same year in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azor, the prophet, which was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and of all the people, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them to Babylon. I will bring again to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah that went into Babylon, saith the Lord. For I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah said unto the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people that stood in the house of the Lord. Even the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. The Lord do so. The Lord perform thy words which thou hast prophesied to bring again the vessels of the Lord's house and all that is carried away captive from Babylon into this place. Nevertheless. Hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears and in the ears of all the people. The prophets that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and against great kingdoms of war and of evil and of pestilence. The prophet which prophesieth of peace, when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord hath truly sent him. Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and break it. And Hananiah spake in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Then the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, the prophet, after that Hananiah, the prophet, had broken the yoke from off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast broken the yokes of wood, but thou shalt make for them yokes of iron. 
For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron upon the neck of all these nations, that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. And I have given him the beast of the field also. Then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. The kingdom of Judah was all that remained of the house of David, the kingdom of David, if you will. The kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom, had long been obliterated and wiped out because of their transgression against the Lord. And Assyria had taken the northern kingdom away. Now, all that remained was Judah. Zedekiah was on the throne. King Zedekiah was the last king of Judah. Since God promised that land to Abraham way back then, and then you had 400 plus years of slavery, and then 40 years in the wilderness, and then Joshua on the campaign with 31 kingdoms, and then they finally got the promised land. This was what remained of the legacy of Israel on Zedekiah, the last king of Judah. His predecessors before him, Jeconiah and the king before Jeconiah, Jehoiakim. Both of those kings were subject to this new power in the east, Babylon. They all were vassal kings or puppet kings to Nebuchadnezzar. What Nebuchadnezzar said, they had to obey. Jehoiakim rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar snatched him off the throne and placed his son on the throne, Jeconiah. Jeconiah rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar as well. So Nebuchadnezzar snatched him off the throne too. And they struck out twice. And now Zedekiah was up to bat. Everything rested on the shoulders of King Zedekiah. Zedekiah was now plotting and scheming with the surrounding nations of Moab and Tyre and Ammon. And he was attempting to form this confederacy, this alliance. And he put his trust in Egypt that maybe they can rebel against Babylon and stand on their own. But the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. All the ambassadors from these surrounding nations came to Jerusalem to try to form this alliance. And the Lord said, I'm going to send my ambassador there too. He had Jeremiah put on this yoke around his neck, this wooden yoke, the same yokes that you put on oxen to plow the earth. Now, a yoke has two compartments, if you will. Jeremiah had, has this yoke on his neck and Lord, the Lord tells Jeremiah, go and tell these ambassadors and everyone, thus saith the Lord, submit under the yoke of Babylon. Don't rebel against Babylon. Don't fight against Babylon. Submit, humble yourself. Why? Because I, the Lord, have created heaven and earth and I have allowed Nebuchadnezzar to reign for a set time and then I will judge him. Obey me, God says. And he says, you know what? It will be well with you. It will be okay with you. Matter of fact, you don't even have to leave your homeland if you obey me. You get to farm on your own land. You get to eat your own food. Hearken to my words, the Lord says. 
Can you imagine Prophet Jeremiah if he was walking in here with this yoke on his neck? How, how would that look to anybody else? To be a prophet in those days, I tell you, you had to live that thing. You had to be that thing, man, in your heart. Even if you look foolish to the whole world, he was preaching the word of God. He wouldn't even have to speak. His lifestyle was the sermon. His life was a sermon. So Jeremiah has this yoke on his neck and he says, thus saith the Lord, submit under the yoke of Babylon. Jeremiah's in church or in the house of God. The priests are there. All the congregation is there. And in comes the prophet Hananiah, the son of Azor of Gibeon. And the prophet Hananiah comes into the house of the Lord in front of everybody. And he says, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Within the space of two full years, the Lord is going to return all the vessels that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from this house. Within two years, he's going to return King Jeconiah back on the throne. Within two years, he's going to return all the captives that he had taken away. You see, Nebuchadnezzar, each time he took one of those rebellious kings back, he didn't come back empty handed. He took vessels from the house of the Lord and he took captives from Judah, the nobles and the educated folk. And this is where you get the captivity of Daniel and then the three Hebrew worthies and Ezekiel. This man says within two years, this is all going to be returned to you. And the prophet Jeremiah is listening to this brother Hananiah preach this sermon. And Jeremiah says, amen. The Lord do so, brother. The Lord perform thy words, which thou hast spoken. Who doesn't want the vessels back in the Lord's house? Who doesn't want the glory and our pride of Israel? We've been shamed for so long. Who doesn't want that to return? Who doesn't want our king to return? Who doesn't want our family, our loved ones who've been taken captive? Who doesn't want them to return? Amen, brother. The Lord do so. May he perform thy words, which you have preached today. This strong sermon you're preaching today. But he said, nevertheless, hear now the word that I have to say to you. He said, the prophets that of the prophets of old, Hananiah, the prophets that came before me and you, they all prophesied of evil, of war and of pestilence. You know what Jeremiah was referring to? He was referring to Hosea, Habakkuk and Zephaniah. The prophets that were before Jeremiah. And if you read Habakkuk chapter one, God gives him a vision of the coming of the Chaldeans, of the Babylonians. And he says, all these prophets are are speaking about war, evil and pestilence. But you're coming in this in, in the church right now, preaching everybody about peace. You're preaching about good things. And he says, the prophet that prophesieth of peace, when the word of that prophet shall come to pass, then we will know that the Lord hath truly sent him. Then the then the 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 prophet battle, if you will, escalates. And the Bible says that Hananiah breaks the yoke from off Jeremiah's neck. Now, think about this. He has a yoke on his neck. Did the Bible doesn't specify, but did he pick up something and hit Jeremiah? Did he grab him by his neck and maybe smash him to the ground and broke it off his neck? Either way, he broke it from off his neck. And he says, thus saith the Lord, as I as I have broken this yoke. So will the Lord break off the yoke that Babylon has on your neck within two full years. And the Bible says something most interesting after that. It says the prophet Jeremiah went his way. 
And I thought about this. I said, man, if I was sitting there in in church that day and I heard these two preachers just going at it and I see Hananiah, he comes in there so much energy. He's he's talking about two full. Where do you get two, two years from? He's like so detailed. Not one year, two years. Wow. The people wanted to hear that. The vessels will return. He's breaking yokes. And it seemed like Jeremiah got outdid because at the end he didn't retaliate. He just went his way. But even though Hananiah broke that yoke, even though Hananiah had a message that everybody wanted to hear, even though Hananiah was charismatic and had all this energy, even though he had a great sermon with fair speeches and good words, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. The very next verse tells us that the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. And God spoke through Jeremiah to Hananiah. He says, go tell Hananiah, you have broken that yoke of wood. Now you have made for the people yokes of iron. Because thus saith the Lord, you make these people trust in a lie. He says, behold, I will cast your body from off the face of the earth. And this year you are going to die, Hananiah, because you have taught rebellion." Against the Lord. And Hananiah died that same year in the seventh month. This story took place in the fifth month. So that's like Jeremiah preached in May, told Hananiah, and Hananiah was dead by July. Now, if Hananiah had a congregation, had his own church, and Jeremiah had his own church, Which one would most of the people in these, ta- these times, which, which one would most of the people go to? They're going to go to Hananiah's church. You know why? You know how come I know that? Because nobody listened to Jeremiah. Jeremiah prophesied that the vessels would be taken. They were taken. He prophesied that don't trust in Egypt. They're going to fail. Egypt failed. He prophesied that Hananiah would die. He died. He prophesied that Babylon would come and there'll be a siege. It happened. He prophesied the captivity. He prophesied the destruction. And even after Jerusalem was burning and the temple was burning and he was leaving and he told the people, don't go to Egypt. God does not want you to flee to Egypt. They still didn't listen to him. After seeing all these prophecies come to pass, they still didn't listen to him. And it just blew my mind away. How could you see so much truth? And you still don't take heed to the council. But Hananiah was just but one of many false prophets that surrounded Zedekiah that preached that same message. Turn with me to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Look with me, if you will. At verse 11, the Bible says, now, if you just look at verse one, this whole chapter is talking about judgments on the false prophets. And I recommend that you read this chapter and pray and think about today that we live in. Amen. Look at verse 11. For both prophet and priest are profane. Yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. Now, I want us to, to, to think about this carefully, and we're going to read some more verses. You see, 
Nobody listened to Jeremiah. But Zedekiah and most of the people listened to the counsel of Hananiah. You see, because in Jeremiah's congregation, or if Jeremiah had a church, Jeremiah had a message. He had a hard message to people. Jeremiah had a message of humility. Zedekiah, yes, you're a king, but you have to humble yourself and go submit under that yoke. You have to forsake your pride and go out there. And when, and when Babylon had them in a siege, Jeremiah preached the same message. He says, yes, you have to forsake your comfort in Jerusalem. You have to forsake the security of your high walls. You have to forsake that sin in your life that you find it so hard to let go of. That addiction that is holding your heart right now. That, that thorn in your flesh that you feel so weak, but you have to make yourself vulnerable. Leave the walls of old Jerusalem and trust in the Lord. Because when you're weak, you can experience his perfect strength. One of my favorite quotes in the spirit of prophecy She says, nothing is apparently more helpless, yet really more invincible than the soul that feels its nothingness and relies wholly upon God. Leave old Jerusalem so you could go to new Jerusalem. Forsake your pride and become weak so you can experience his perfect strength. Yoke up with Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. It shall be well with you if you heed this counsel. Oh, he says in Isaiah, that you would have hearkened to my commandments. Then you would have had peace like a river and righteousness as the waves of the sea. That's the yoke of wood. The hardest part is leaving old Jerusalem. The hardest part is humbling yourself. I remember when I had my addiction to cigarettes and I, the Lord was convicting me to quit those cigarettes. The hardest thing for me to do, I was in this cabin at the men's retreat and I had the box of Newports in my pocket smoking for almost 15 years. And, and I, the Lord was convicting me because we'll go to hear these sermons and I'll go smoke my cigarette outside the cabin. And, and, and the whole time I'm kind of guys are in there praying and I'm like, man, I'm feeling bad. And the sermons were just piercing my heart. And I went into the cabin and these brothers wanted to pray. They were praying every night. You know, I'm smelling like cigarettes and stuff. And, and I had the box and the Lord was like, it's time. And I remember I was having the stories of my grandfather when my mother would tell me when he quit cigarettes, he flushed that last one down the toilet when he found the Lord and that was it. And I said, you know what? I found the Lord a while ago, but now it's time. and I'm going to flush it just like my grandfather. And, and, but I said, I was so weak. I was so weak. I had tears and I was shaking in that cabin. And I had my hand in that pocket in my pocket and I was debating to just throw it on the ground. And I did something that was just crazy. I picked that box of cigarettes and I threw it to the ground. And when it hit the ground, it was like slow motion in the back of my mind. I was like, no. And I wanted to pick that thing up. I hope nobody saw that pack. But when I threw it to the ground, I said, guys, I need help. Pray for me. And I dropped to my knees right after that box hit the ground. And I had tears coming out of my eyes. And I tell you, eight pairs of hands just dropped on my shoulders and on my head. And those brothers started praying for me. Can I tell you something? When I got to the bottom, my knees of that circle, I was smiling. You know why? Because earlier that year, the Lord got me off drugs. He got me off alcohol. 
He cleaned up my vision. He cleaned up my, the music taste that I had. He cleaned up my diet. He cleaned up caffeine out of my life. And when I was on the bottom of that prayer circle, God was showing me in my mind, Tarek, we did all that together. You've been yoked up with me this whole time. Let's climb this mountain together. Let's do this one. It's just one more with Jesus. I was smiling. I was weak, but I experienced his perfect strength in that prayer circle. And he took the taste out of cigarettes out of my mouth. And I could tell you that I'm clean to this day. Become vulnerable. Fear God, Jeremiah says. Repent and listen to what God has to say. It will be well with you. You're not going to destroy your body no more. You don't have to be a prisoner to your lust. You don't have to be a prisoner to your addiction. He said, just take some courage in my word. Have faith. Trust me. Hananiah, you don't have to change a thing. Matter of fact, you can stay exactly how you are. God is going to bring the vessels back. He's going to bring Jeconiah back. He's going to give you the increase. He's going to multiply you. He's going to take care of you. Stay as you are, preaching smooth things. But this is the yoke of iron. You're still a captive. You haven't experienced his powerful grace. You haven't experienced the divine nature because you're standing on promises. Over here, vain words. Look at Jeremiah 23. Look with me at verse 28. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? He says, what is the chaff in Hananiah's church to the wheat? Preach my word. If my word tells you not to touch it, preach my word. If my word calls it abominable, preach my word. If my word tells you this, preach it faithfully. Because it's it's only my word that has the power to convict and convert. It is only my word that can heal your hearts. It is only my word that can be a shield and a buckler to defend you. It is only my word that can be a sword to attack the enemy. It is only my word that is spirit, that is truth, that is righteousness, that is the life. It is only my word. So preach my word. I speak and things are created with my word. Don't preach your own ideas. Don't preach what you think I want people to hear. Just preach my word. Just preach my word. You look down in verse 32, same chapter says, Behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness. Did you see that? Yet I sent them not, nor commanded them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, saith the Lord. He says that these false prophets cause people, uh, 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 they lie and, and, and they have, let me say this again. And they cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness. I look at that word lightness, frivolity, unconcerned. You don't even care. Jeremiah 
Was there the destruction of Jerusalem? The destruction of God's promise was right there from what he promised them, what they could have had. If you would have known the things that belong unto your peace, he said, the things I have planned for you. I didn't want this destruction. But now Jeremiah and and the people were in a dire situation. It's not time to just sit there comfortable. And the Lord's just going to love you so much and do everything for you. And you don't have to yoke up with Jesus, Christian. But the prophets are preaching this message of lightness that there's not like there's no people dying out here. Like there's no people seeking for salvation out here. Like there's not a dire need like Jesus is not coming. You know, we believe that Jesus is in the most holy place. Amen. Amen. As the high priest interceding on our behalf. And he's bearing the names like the high priest has on his robe, the names of the children of Israel. And you know what the children of Israel were doing while the high priest was in there in Leviticus and in, in, in books of Moses? What were they doing? Afflicting their souls. The high priest would go in there once a year. He had to make sure he was right and had a sacrifice for him and his family. Go in there with the incense and the blood. And he had to be right lest he be struck down. And he bore the names of all the children of Israel for the sins of that year and and to cleanse the sanctuary. And he would go in there and all the people were riding on him, basically, for him to pull through for them, if you will. It, It was a symbol to show what Christ is doing for us. So this high priest is in there and all the people in the camp, they were afflicting their souls. They were examining themselves. Do I have sin in my life? Did I wrong my brother? Deep soul searching going on. So if we believe that we're in this time, what's all this lightness and this unconcerned? There's no dire need if judgment is going on. Revelation chapter 3, turn with me there. Revelation chapter 3. And while we're turning there, Revelation 3. I want to read something to you all. It's very, very... uh, This is this quote I want to read to you. This goody-goody religion that makes light of sin and that is forever dwelling upon the love of God to the sinner encourages the sinner to believe that God will save them while they continue in sin and know it to be sin. This is the way that many are doing who profess to believe present truth. The truth is kept apart from their life, and that is the reason it has no more power to convict and convert the soul. There must be a straining of every nerve and spirit and muscle to leave the world, its customs, its practices, and its fashions. You know the counsel to the church in Laodicea. We know this. You know, out of all the seven churches, the first six churches that Jesus counsels, he has good things to say about each one of those churches. He has good things to say. But when he gets to our church, Laodicea, he doesn't have one good thing to say about us. The other churches, he says, I know your works. I know how you can't stand them who have the doctrine of, uh, of, of Satan and the Nicolaitans. He says, I know your patience. 
You know, you have kept my name and kept the word of my patience. You have a few there in Sardis who are worthy. They're going to walk with me in white. But Laodicea, us, he doesn't have one good thing to say about us. He says, I would prefer that you were hot or cold. Because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, this is what got me. He says, I would prefer that you were on fire. Like when you first got baptized and first gave your life to me, you were on fire and zealous for good works. I would prefer that you were like that. than to be a half hearted Christian in my church now. But this is the one that really got me, though. He says, I will prefer rather that you were cold. Tarek, I would prefer that you would be back at that bar drinking, watching your games on Sabbath and didn't even care. I would rather you be like that than to be a half-hearted Christian in my church. So next time we see that homeless guy on the street, addicted and drinking, think twice. Are you lukewarm? Because God is saying, I would prefer you to be cold. Because the man, I used to have a lot of co-workers out in the world, and man, these guys would just drink and smoke and go to the bar on Sabbath, but they were cold. They knew they were cold. They didn't care. But you know what the sermon of the Lord says? The lukewarm Christian is worse than the infidel, than the unbeliever is worse because Satan can use this individual to do a work that no one else can do. God is saying, you got to be hot. But there's lightness going on when God is saying, honestly, you guys are pretty disgusting. This is Jesus, red writing. We're talking about the love of Christ. He says, as many as I rebuke and chasten, it's because I love you. That's why I'm telling you this. This is the love of God. He loves us so much that he wants to tell us where we truly are. You ever had an honest friend that tells you something, even though you don't like to hear it? But you know what? Hey, that's that's the truth. They're honest. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. He says, you know, you say that you're rich and increased with goods and you have need of nothing. Oh, I know about the Sabbath truth. I know about the three angels message. I know about the health message. I know all these things. That guy in the street, these kids up here, they need to know that stuff. Yeah, I know that stuff. But Jesus says you have no idea that you are wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. You're blind and you're naked. You have no idea how you look to me. I want to spew you out of my mouth. But this is what Jesus says to to, to us. Beautiful because of his love. You are disgusting to me right now. But there's hope for you. Because if you yoke up with me, I will take you up to glory. I will polish you up. You're going to look beautiful if you just yoke up with me. But he says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. When you buy something of somebody, that means it's going to cost you something. He didn't say buy wood or buy steel. He said buy gold. It's going to cost you and it's going to be expensive. We know Peter says that the trial of our faith being much more precious than gold. He wants our faith to be tried in the fire. He wants us to be zealous. He wants us to forsake the old Jerusalem. He wants us to humble ourselves, forget our pride, trust in him. Go through that fire. Go through the fire. No matter how much you're attached and love it. He says go through the fire. So you can be rich. So all the knowledge that you know, now you have experience with it. You can be rich. And now that you're naked, you can be clothed with white white raiment. You know when you're going through the fire 
and you're leaving things in your life that are hard to leave. Or you're going out and say, I want to spread the gospel for you, Jesus, but I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. It's hard for me to talk to people. But when you do things and you leave your comfort zone of old Jerusalem, you realize how weak you are. You realize how dependent you are on God. And then you're praying for that righteousness so he can clothe you. Then you're praying for that spirit so you can see. And then you're in the word because you know you need it. But are you willing to forsake the walls of safety? My spirit will be with you, he says. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. I'm telling you this, guys, because I love you. And I want to see you here with me. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. My words are knocking. My voice is speaking to you. If any man hears my voice. We all hear the truth. Zedekiah heard the truth. The people in Israel and Judah, excuse me, they heard the truth. But did they get up and open the door? He's asking us to get up. If any man hear my voice and open the door and let him in. You know what he says? I will come in and I will sup with you. When you invite someone into your house to come eat with you, they are partaking of something with you. There's a fellowship there. He says, I will be a, a, a partaker of your sufferings with you. I will be yoked up with you. So you can be a sharer with me, with my glory. To him that overcometh, the same will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. And I know time is escaping us here, but I want to wrap up here. So much truth and they still didn't believe Jeremiah. I had to ask the Lord that question. Why didn't they believe him? They seen so much truth. Prophecy after prophecy. And then, and you know, the Lord just dropped in my mind. I saw King Ahab riding his chariot. And in front of Ahab was the prophet Elijah running for 20 miles filled with the Holy Ghost. Ahab, who had just seen fire come down from heaven. Can you imagine seeing fire come down from heaven? It hadn't rained for three and a half years and now it's raining. This guy that's running in front of my chariot for 20 miles prayed and it rained, prayed and fire came down. And now he's filled with the Holy Ghost running in front of me. Look at that truth that he's seen. But when Ahab went back to the presence of Jezebel. After he went back to Jezreel and told his wife and his wife got in his head, it was as if he'd never seen nothing at all. Later on, he, he calls Elijah his enemy, my family. It's the same story with Balaam as well. Balaam saw visions. He saw angels, donkeys talking. But they all went back to their same condition. They heard the voice, but they didn't open the door. They heard the truth, but they didn't forsake the walls. Are you willing to make that step? Jesus, our Savior. He hadn't eaten in almost 40 days. He was weak. 
emaciated, pale, hungry, and thirsty. He was almost at the end. And this beautiful angel of light, like a seraph from heaven, comes and tells Christ, I am the angel that stopped the hand of Abraham before he killed Isaac. Listen to this. And just like how Abraham brought up Isaac, but he didn't have to kill him, you don't have to continue. God sees that you're willing. You can stop right now. You don't have to spill your blood. But see, something about Christ is that he had already committed himself. He had long ago forsaken his comfort. And he was on the road because the joy that was set before him compelled him. What was that joy? Allowed him to endure the cross and despise the shame. He counted his body as nothing. He already gave it up for you and I. That was the joy that was set before him. That kept him going. And so when, the Satan, when Satan came with his, with his deceptions and he told him, you know what? You look all haggard. I look like the son of God. Let me see if you're the son of God. And he tells him to turn these stones into bread. And he makes the stones look like bread. And immediately Christ pulls out this fresh blade and says, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Have you ever thought about this, the Satan talk tempted him with bread? And quickly a scripture about bread came into his mind just like that. Why was that? Because he had already put it in there. My family put it in there. Put it in there. And because Jesus stood and because the word of God was like fire in his bones and he forsook what we need to forsake. He is set down on the right hand of God on the throne. But he's also promising us that place on the throne with him. But are you willing to take up your cross? Are you willing? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, that your word is tried and it's true. And it gives us a peace that passes all our understanding. Lord, I just pray that your spirit will continue to impress upon our hearts the message that you have for each and every one of us. The challenges that we must face. The steps we must take. I pray, Lord, that we can be more more just in your word, Lord, to give us that backbone in prayer, Lord, so we can be clothed so we can see how we really look. Lord, we're in dire times, just like Jerusalem was facing destruction. And we're at we're at the end, end of times, Lord. It's not time for us to be light, but to be serious. Help us to rem- remember the times in which we live in and the calling that you have given us. I thank you, God. For your word never comes back void.